Episode 17, take two. We are back for another episode of the Top DAT Podcast. I'm the Uplift Athletic Trainer, Dr. Brandon Holland. And I am the Unapologetic AT, Dr. Donita Valentine. Welcome back, Dr. V. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. I love doing these podcasts. I love doing these episodes. Yes, they are so fun. Oh, wow. So, um... (laughs) We got a tough one today to talk about, so we're going to get into it. But before we do, um, how about we hit up our social media shout outs? All right. So we have a a couple of follows on Instagram um, by a podcast called Elevator Pitch. Thank you very much. Big shout out to Elevator Pitch Podcast. Yes, indeed. And Minority Women in Sports Medicine gave us a follow on Instagram. I don't know if anyone's familiar with um, the woman behind that or that company, but they do some great things um, for minority women in sports medicine. It's not just athletic trainers. Um, So that's something cool. Uh, Give them a follow on Instagram and a shout out to athletic trainer, April winter, who also gave us a follow on Instagram. Awesome. Shout out to April Winter. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to the other groups for following us on the gram. Uh, If you want to follow us on the gram or Facebook or Twitter, you can do it at the underscore top underscore DAT. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at top dash DAT, the number one. All right. So um, what do we have next? Um. Last week, we spoke with Mrs. Xavion Santiago. With uh, She's an athletic trainer at School.Walls in D.C. And she spoke with us about volunteering and leadership positions at the state and regional level. So thank you so much, Mrs. Santiago, for spending some time with us and divulging your very colorful background, your um, multi-ethnicity never ceases to amaze me and as always i had a great time chatting with uh mrs santiago and dr holland that was an awesome episode thank you so much it was and she's been hitting us up like i found the snacks i found the ice cream bars <laughs> like yes i found them too it's about to go down <laughs> oh man that was a great episode uh if you're thinking about it ladies and gentlemen stop thinking and start doing we need leaders. So nobody's going to speak up for your interests like you. Right. So um, it's time for the, the people who haven't been holding positions. To, to, you know, the, the old heads are getting old. We love them. You know, they they've uh, they forged the path. But now it's time for us to pave it. So let's step into those roles of leadership. Let's not be afraid anymore. All right. So uh, we got for what's new in athletic training. All right. So on this coming Friday, June 4th, um, the podcast Elevator Pitch is actually featuring our very own Dr. Brandon Holland, where (laughs) they will discuss athletic training, education, raising black boys to be men in America, 
having an entrepreneurial mindset and diversity in sports and advocacy. So give Elevator Pitch a follow and check out that podcast dropping this Friday, June 4th. Shout out to the homie Robert Farrar, one of my best friends, one of my favorite people in the world. He and his wife are two incredible people. Uh, we went to college. We all went to college together, so we know each other. They're out in Cali now doing their thing. I'm just proud to see him coming up, uh, forging his own lane, and then really trying to highlight and spotlight other people doing the same. So much respect for that. Word. Absolutely. So we also have a crazy story that we came across last week. Um, and some of you may know, some of you may not. There was this, uh, there was an ultra marathon that was being held in China. And it's a 62 mile foot race, basically. And early into the race, the weather got really, really nasty and cold really fast. And um, it changed from kind of warm and sunny to freezing in hell. And, you know, in just a few minutes. And Gale. Yeah, gale force winds, and they were on a mountain. So you know how that really changes the uh, the the way weather works. And um, somewhere around the twelve mile marker, people started um, essentially to freeze to death. So uh, I don't know how many participants there were total, but uh, twenty one of the runners passed away uh, from the extreme cold from exposure. And um, they were sixty five feet, sixty five hundred feet above sea level. So they had the with the rain, the, the hail, high winds, and then to top all of that off, um, during the search and rescue efforts, there were a series of mudslides that really impeded people's ability to to conduct the search. So um, that that was really intense. I couldn't imagine. I, I, I don't know. Like that just sounds really scary. And there was a total of one hundred and seventy-two race participants. So 21 did not make it. Um, And the other 151 participants have been confirmed safe um, the following morning. Um, A couple people abandoned the race and retreated um, like halfway down the mountain and found a wooden cabin um, with the help of a rescuer who who was already out on the course trying to rescue runners at that time. Wow. They said two of them were national or say world champions. I think one was a world champion for the Paralympics for hearing impaired. And the other one was just, mm-hmm. uh, I, they're just like the, the best and brightest. And so of, of course the organizers are taking a lot of heat for, uh, not making appropriate preparations for the weather. So there's that. Um, and, uh, that, that- that's one of the crazy things like where we live um, on the East coast and Dr. Holland and I, we live in um, different States, but around the same area, like within a mile, not a mile within an hour of one another. Um, But one funny thing about um, especially like this area is I tell people all the time, this is one of the places where on any given day, like when we're changing seasons, you can actually experience every single season in one day. day like that's, yep. that's happened to me at work, like, you know, as an athletic <laughs> trainer, <laughs> I've experienced that on more than one occasion. Yeah. Yep. Shorts and t-shirts in the afternoon, snowsuit at night. Yep. All in the same day. All in the same day. So, um, you really got to prepare. And if you have, if your job is to work outside, you, you should pay special attention to the weather, uh, for that reason. 
but um man yeah, so pray, yeah definitely prayers. my heart goes out yeah. to everyone involved yes thoughts and prayers to to the to those who who are affected in the families of course wow all right so should we uh we move on to our stories and shenanigans absolutely i thought this would be fun so um Every athletic trainer I've ever met is multifaceted. We don't just do athletic training. Everyone's got something up their sleeve or something in their bag that they're good at or that they're, they're interested in, like a hobby. I thought it'd be fun. And, and maybe if you listen to this and you reach out to us on social media, please share this your answer with us, too. If you had to stop athletic training today or whatever job you're in today, if it's athletic training, if it's, you know, you're a banker or if you're an audio technician, whatever it is, um, you had to stop doing whatever your job is today and start a brand new career. What would it be and why? Oh, pick me. Okay. Okay. Go. <laughs> I would be an audiologist. So I wouldn't expect that from you. <laughs> I just, that would, and I would specialize in wax removal and I'm, I'm going to share something with you guys today that it's going to seem kind of weird, but I am addicted to YouTube channels featuring my favorite audiologist is Reese Barber. He's from the UK and he specializes in wax removal. I follow him on Instagram and YouTube and he drops videos every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And I wait each of those days in keen anticipation (laughs) to watch what he has experienced and, and I have another um, favorite, um, Dr. Neil Reitha. Um, he's also known as the Wax Whisperer. They, he also has a YouTube channel. And I'm just mesmerized. And if I wasn't an athletic trainer, that is what I would be doing. There is a Wax Whisperer. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I don't think that's weird that you, you follow the YouTubes because – I like those videos, not necessarily the wax removal videos, although I have watched some. So they have like a little pin thing with like a, a pinpoint camera on the end of it, and they you can see inside the ears, and that's gross. Like it's so gross, but you can't stop watching. But I'm also addicted to like um, I watch the videos of people popping cysts and abscess and 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 pimples and things like that. That was my first. Um, that was my first obsession. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So for me, I guess it's my turn. If I had to stop athletic training today and, and start a new career, I think I would. I was. Some people know this about me. I, I like to cook because I like to eat. I got. A, I got a weight problem where I can't wait to eat. So um, I was. I would start a food truck, and I would just sell like ribs and steak and brisket and things like that. And um, I'm actually. This is something I've actually spent some time thinking about. So um, at my last job, the my athletic director wanted me to get a CDL so that I can drive teams around on the school bus. And I was like, no, because you're going to want me to drive teams around on the school bus. <laughs> but I did flirt with the idea because if I had a CDL and I got familiar with driving a bus, when I get old and fat and I'm too too tired of athletic training i could i just get a school bus and gut the inside of it and turn it into a food truck and call it the brisket bus and just drive around slinging ribs and pork butt and things like that but um i got i got 
I got a new grill. I got a new grill today. Not today. I got it a couple of days ago, but today was the first day I cooked on it. And I smoked some ribs, and they were awesome. So tell us about your grill. So, what makes it? What what's new? What's different about it? What's fancy about it? What made you want it? It is. I, I wanted it because it was fancy and it was big. So I have. Um, I love charcoal grills. I had a stick burner, um, which was like offset, like an offset smoker that you could also grill and sear and do all the regular stuff with charcoal. And it was a duo. So one side was charcoal and the other side was, was gas. And I really liked that grill, but it rusted out. So um, I thought I would try a Traeger, which is a, a wood pellet grill. So it has a hopper and you fill it with wood pellets and you turn it on and it ignites the wood pellets and it feeds it uh, according to the temperature that you set. So if you set a higher temperature, it will feed it faster. And it, so more fuel is, is a hotter burn. If you set it for a slower, a lower temperature, it'll feed it slower. And so you can smoke, you can, you can go anywhere from like 220 degrees up to 600 on a Traeger, I think. And I like it and I like the taste, but I really, really like charcoal taste a little bit more than, um, than wood pellets or wood flavor. Plus you can add wood to your charcoal if you want to, you want to get fancy, but I saw this beast, um, in Lowe's, one one time we were in there looking at something else, and I was like, "Ooh, I want that grill!" And it's big and it's blue. And Bobby, he actually, he's the, the guy who was hosting the um, the Elevator Pitch podcast. I, I showed him a picture of it. He said it looks like it's supposed to be on a train track. It does look like Thomas the Tank Engine. So I said, "I think you just named my grill." So my grill's name is Thomas, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so you can um, it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, so you can monitor your grill the temperature of the grill and it has a meat probe so you can see the temperature of the grill you can see the temperature of your food and you can set either the temperature of the food so it'll adjust the heat to get your food to that temperature or you can set the temperature of the grill and it has a timer on it you can set the timer everything from your phone so you don't have to keep opening and closing the lid so if you smoke um (laughs) if you smoke uh ribs or if you smoke anything you know how important it is to keep the temperature and the grill constant and the more you open it um you have those fluctuations in temperatures and that and that really slows down or, or messes with your cooking time and or taste so um it's a really really dope grill so I'm so can you um tell me a little bit about the difference between um a charcoal flavor and a wood pellet flavor I don't know anything about grills so that's why I'm asking I don't know how to describe a I don't know how to describe the flavor, but um, I can just taste the difference between like charcoal and propane or charcoal and wood pellets or wood pellets and propane. But you can also like, depending on what kind of wood you use, you can, you can change the flavor of your food. So um, some, some charcoals do that too. Some that have like more lighter fluid that are, that are soaked into them. Or if you add lighter fluid, then your food kind of tastes like lighter fluid a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I know I'm not. I don't. So that's that's what they mean by like hickory smoked. Yes, yeah, so you you can use hickory wood, or you can use apple wood, or cherry wood, or pecan. Um, there's a lot of different ones. All of these different hardwoods. They they all have like a little bit of different taste. And part of this is me because I'm fat, and I can say the word fat because it's me. Um, most people aren't serious enough about eating or cooking that. The, the wood really makes that big a difference to them. 
And so they 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 make up their taste with you know how they season and flavor it. But um, some people do a they they every every single aspect. I'm not one of those every single aspect people. I don't really have a favorite with wood. I like certain woods for steak. I like certain woods for chicken. I like certain woods for uh, for for pork. So, um, but it's just I don't know what it is about the smell of a charcoal grill that just makes you want the sip, the summer to be here so you can just dive in face first into a plate full of protein. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening and uh, what would you do? What would you, what would be your second career? Uh, we would love to hear it. Please hit us up on social media and let us know. Also, um, I said this before, once we get to a thousand uh, followers through all of our social media combined, not each, but all of them combined. I'm giving away $400 worth of CBD products to, I'm just going to pick a name. Actually, I'm going to put all of the names into a random system and let the system pick the name. That way it's not me picking the name. But if you like <laughs> CBD, you can have it for yourself. If you don't, you can give it away. Or if you want to do both, uh, it's up to you. It'll be yours. I'm going to send it to you. So we look forward to doing that. That's going to be so much fun. And we will announce the winner if we have permission, if we get your permission to do that. Awesome. All right. So uh, we got center court. Who do we have for center court today? (laughs) (laughs) Here's a hint. It's going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and I thought this was something that especially young people, and this is one that's rated E for everybody. Um, It doesn't have to be, you know, don't have to be an athletic trainer for this information to be valuable to you. But young people who are looking for jobs, or even experienced people, um, you just got to have your head on a swivel. So I thought I would talk about the time that I tried to make a career move, and it literally almost ruined my life. So um, let's get into that, shall we? Yeah. So (laughs) tell us about the career that you had and what made you, even from the beginning, think of a career move? What made you want to change? Um, so I was teaching and working as a clinician in a high school setting as an athletic trainer. And I was actually only there for a year. I finished grad school and I went to work at a high school for a year. And I just really, it was my first job out of grad school. I did not think that that would be the place where I settled down and had my entire career. Like that, I, that wasn't going to be the place where I worked 30 years until I retired. Um, part of me was still, I still had this itch to get into the NFL um, and work as an athletic trainer in the NFL. But I was also uh, a husband and father. And so I had to make a decision based on uh, my ability to care for the young and the woman. So uh, there was an opportunity for me to work at a university. And before we dig real deep, I want to say that this, this, this spoiler alert, it didn't go great. Right. But a lot of what happened is really, I want to say most is like my fault for not really asking the right questions or really even knowing that I should protect myself. Like this is, it's a business world. And people are in about their business and they, they have things that they like 
from the people who are going to work for them. And I just didn't know. I was just trusting, you know. So um, I don't have any ill will or ill feelings toward those people or the institution. Um, in fact, I'm still working on some pretty cool things with the institution and the people. I still love them. I'm still excited that they're my colleagues. We still check up on each other from time to time, but it's just that this situation didn't go well. So I'm going to try to avoid saying names because I don't want it to be like me slinging mud because that's not the, that's not the purpose of this, uh, this episode. The purpose is really to share my experience and hopefully people listening can learn something from it and, and protect themselves. They can cover their own backside. So, um, I went to visit, because I had experience up there um, with some people and I knew some people and just wanted to go back and visit. And I did. And I ran into one of my, uh, one of the people there who said, Hey, there's a job opening. You should apply for it. And I said, okay, you know, I love working here. This is a fun place to be. I enjoy it. And so uh, he had some things he had to tie up, but I ended up going to his office later on. And I happened to have a a thumb drive around my neck with my resume on it. So, um, like, just really, it just is, is around my neck. I don't know why I had it. It was just fate, I guess. And so I went to his office, and we uploaded my resume, and just like that. And this was in, like, maybe February or March. And um, came home and kind of excited. Told my wife about it. She was like, eh, we're not moving up there. I was like, uh, probably not. But, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't expect much. I just didn't expect much. I just thought I would apply, see what happens. So I didn't hear anything for a month or more. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just it's not happening. It's not in the cards. And um, later on, I ended up going to a a conference where the people – who are employed at the institution, I ran into them and um, ended up finding out that they were still conducting a search. It was, I was still very much a candidate. And uh, it was crazy how it all went down because I never really interviewed for the position, right? Um, I always heard that it's not who you know is what you know. And I really just got offered the position without interviewing. And I thought it was because I knew the right people, you know, it's like, if you know, people hook up their friends. And so I was like, yes, I got a solid network. These people just hooked me up with this bomb job and I'll be able to take care of my wife and kids and so many things that I won't have to worry about, you know, paying for because they'll be taken care of by my job. And, but it was really in a place where, like geographically it's kind of tough to live, but the cost of living is super duper low. Right. So I was, my salary would have been, if I accepted the job would be almost cut in half. And, um, so, uh, I talked with the wife about it and she really didn't want to go. But when I, I broke the numbers down to her, it made sense. And it's really hard to argue with, um, it's really, um, it's really hard to argue with the numbers, the logic. So we just we went for it. So I didn't get a contract for the position until, like, it was late, late, late. Whew, so this is tough. So 
uh, we went, we made the move, and really just on the word, like, yeah, you're our guy. We're going to hire you. So just come on up because my lease expired where I was living, and I didn't want to renew it. And um, so we went up there, and I didn't have a contract. But I actually had worked out a um, a part-time job with a high school that was nearby that was going to pay me 25 bucks an hour to sit at football games. And um, I was just going to do that, sit at football practices and games, you know, three or four days a week, make an extra two or 300 bucks a week, and then um, use that money to supplement what they were going to pay me at the job. Because I was walking away from about half my salary. My wife was walking away from her whole salary. So as we were talking, uh, we already had one son who at the time was two years old. And we didn't, we did, we knew we wanted to have more kids and we didn't want our firstborn to be like 17 years old with a three month old baby brother or sister. So uh, we said, Hey, you know, while we're making this transition now would be a good time to have a second baby. So uh, we got pregnant. And shortly after I found out we were pregnant, which was like almost immediately, like happened like fast. But anyway, they uh, they told me to come in and get my contract and sign my contract. So I was like, yes, the contract is here. It's official. I'm about to go sign this contract. And I'm officially a member of this organization. It's going to be dope. And I went and the position was for one thing, but the contract said something else like completely different. So in hindsight, um, was that a red flag? Like, cause you said you went up there without having the contract. Um, would you looking back, would you say that that's a red flag? Yes. Yes. Because of that exact reason. Um, I thought I was walking into one thing, but, uh, they, they completely, so there was a lack of communication between the people the person who actually called to extend me the job offer and human resources and the, the uh, president of the organization. So when I had um, dealings with the organization before that president retired. And so they got a new president and his standards for who got promoted and who didn't were very different from the old president, his standards for, for who got hired at which positions at certain positions was very different from the old presidents. So, um, I had some of the uh, requirements, but not all of them for basically I, I didn't have all of the requirements to take this position, but the person calling to offer me the job knew that, but I don't think he checked with human resources. So when I thought I was going to be able to do all of these different things, when I thought I was going to be able to work a second job, the contract they offered me not only was, was not for the same amount of money, or the same position, but it had a, it had an exclusivity clause in it where I couldn't work for nobody else. And so I essentially was stuck up there on one, the three of us, me, my wife and the, and the baby boy at three and a half now are stuck on what was about half of what I had been making. And I was not, I was not allowed to go out and supplement my job with additional income. I couldn't work anywhere else. So um, 
it was, it was still kind of rosy at first. This is weird. It's like I didn't realize how bad it was going until it just went all the way off the rails. So um, my wife started showing, you know, because that's what you do when you get pregnant. You, you get you get a belly. And so she couldn't find a job because no one was going to hire her. They're like, you're pregnant. You're going to be on maternity leave in like 15 minutes. We're like, we're not hiring you. So she couldn't she couldn't find a job. So um, I went to work, and what they told me was, um, here, just work this position as it is this year, and by the end of this year, you should have all of the credentials that it takes for um, to take the job outright next year. So I was going to. And what were those additional credentials? Just the number of years of experience. Um, they wanted a certain level of education that I didn't have. And I don't know if they were going to work around that because I wasn't going to have that done in a year. Um, so, but uh, speaking to the president, he was just like really aloof. Like, I don't know. He's like a president of a big organization. He's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot to do. He's, he's busy, but he just wasn't very interested in meeting with me and answering my questions. But I, I just had complete faith and trust in the people who I was going to be working with that they wouldn't, you know, bring me up there to set me up. But, um, but the contract was just so different from what they, they, they told me. I never had a meeting with human resources. So uh, anytime you're working for a big company, almost um, all places will you'll have someone come explain your salary and your benefits to you. And because the contract was so different, my, my health benefits only applied to me. And I didn't notice until after I'd taken the job. So my wife, who was pregnant with our second kid and my two-year-old, didn't have health benefits. And the craziest part is uh, it was weird. Like, they didn't even – so my benefits didn't – they didn't pay my benefits directly. They put that money into my, my check. So I had to take that money out of my bank and pay my benefits myself, which was just super weird. Like that was the first time I'd ever had it done that. It was the first time I, I've heard of it. So, um, I just went to work and, um, it just, I started, they started giving me duties associated with the position I was going to be taking the next year. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I, again, I'm being vague everybody. Cause I don't want to throw the, 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 the organization under the bus, but um, that was the expectation is that I'm going to do a little bit more of these duties every week or a couple weeks until by the end of the first year, I'm basically running the show and I can just step into the position with no worries and no issues uh, the following year, but, um, uh, we started running into issues. We started running out of money because I couldn't work my second job. My wife couldn't find a job. So we got to this, uh, call it bill roulette. <laughs> Where it's like, which one of these bills I ain't going to pay this month. Like, which, <laughs> all right, who is it? Is it going to be cable? Is it going to be internet? Is it going to be the car note? Is it going to be the insurance? Is it going to be the benefits? Cause we just didn't have enough money to pay all of them. So we tried to pay what we could. The one bill that got paid, two bills got paid all the time were electricity and rent. 
After that, the rest of the Bills were fighting for a seat at the table. <laughs> and it was only one seat or two seats. Like the, so the rest of these Bills, was, it was, I mean, it was rugged. And, um, oh, um, we applied for government assistance for food stamps. And in this county, the cost of living was so low that they said a family of three with my salary, just my salary, we were we were overqualified. We made too much money. So I was like, man, um, we are short. We got WIC, and that was it. We got WIC checks because we had a, a two-year-old and a pregnant wife. So we were able to get some things from the grocery store like cheese and milk and bread and cereal. So um, we basically kind of live like college students. <laughs> And um, like, what what were some like? How did what was your thinking during this time? Like, <clears throat> um, like, how did you feel about all that? At first, I was, I was kind of. I'm an optimist. Like, I'm I'm not a down in the dumps kind of person. I, I and that's not to to knock anybody who you know, because I understand people react to things differently. Um, I had a rough life growing up, so a lot of what we were dealing with at the time I dealt with as a kid and I had no control over it, but I I, I was like, we got to find a way out. We got to find a way, we'll find a way through. I should say, cause I was still thinking I'm going to make it through this year. And then the next year, uh, everything's going to be okay. Cause I'll have the contract that I was supposed to get this year. We just got to make it through this tough spot. Um, but as time went on, stuff started getting really, uh, real. It just started. Uh, it's, I, every day I would come home and something else was wrong, you know. And um, I would have to explain to my wife, and she was like, "See, look, it was in my gut. Like I knew we shouldn't have came up here to work. We should have just stayed where we were. I should have put my foot down." And I was like, "You right. I can't even argue." You know, we should have stayed put. Looking at the way things are going now, we would have been in much better shape if we stayed put. And um, I, I'm i the man in my house, and I'm in charge of making sure that my family is fed and protected, and I don't know how we're going to eat, you know? And that was like a few things to, well, to me are more demoralizing than not really even knowing how I'm going to take care of my wife and kid. Cause it's my, that's the only, that's the one thing when you get married, that's the one thing that's your purpose on earth. When you're married is to take care of your spouse and the people that y'all make. It's nothing else. Nothing else matters. And, and that's the one thing I, I was responsible for doing and I couldn't even, I couldn't even get close to doing it. And, um, so they stopped eventually giving me these new duties associated with the position I was supposed to take. And when I started, asking why they started giving me real inconsistent and vague answers. And it just felt fishy. Right. And, um, meanwhile, money still disappearing, not disappearing, but it's being spent on bills. We're not having no kind of, it's not like we're going out to eat or we're going out to the club or we're going, we're traveling. We're literally just working to pay bills. We got to stay warm, stay in the house. And, uh, I got to the point where I had, we had two cars. I missed the car note on both the cars. 
so many times that they were trying to repossess the cars. Uh, one of my friends who was working for the same organization that I happened to know from when I was way younger, literally lived three or four doors up the street would help me hide my cars from the repo, man. We would drive to the next town over and I would park my cars in the garage of a hospital and I would take my car over. He would follow me over there. I would park my car, get in his, he would drive me back to my house. I would get the second car, go back to the hospital, park next to my, my car in the hospital and ride home with him. And, and we did that for seven or eight months. All while your wife is pregnant and could need a ride to the hospital at any time. At any time. Yeah, any time. At any time. Before there was Uber or Lyft or yeah. wheels when you need them or any of those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was, I think I might've fell into a, like depression. I never saw help for it. That was a thing that I had, like my upbringing around the people I knew, like mental illness wasn't really something we addressed. So, uh, I stayed to myself. I was set up at night and just worry and watch the wife and kids sleep. Just look at, just watch, look at them sleep. Just literally physically watch them sleep. Every day I would go to work and try to put on a, a happy face for the people I was working with. And uh, they could tell something wasn't right. But um, it got, I think it, it came to a head one day when I went to my office. And I, I, I accidentally came across an advertisement that the organization was putting on to hire the person that was going to come in and, and do the job that they said was going to be my job next year. So I asked, um, I asked one of the administrators about it. So, you know, you told me that I was going to take this job next year. Why are you advertising it? And he said, Oh, that's an old advertisement. You know, we just forgot to take it down from the website. And I said, no, it's not an old advertisement because it wasn't on his website last week because I checked his website every Monday and it wasn't on here last Monday, but it's on here this Monday. So he said, oh, well, uh, I'll do some digging and I'll find out. But, you know, don't you don't have nothing to worry about. The spot is that it's absolutely yours. So then the next week he came to me and said, oh, we had to put the advertisement up because legally we have to advertise this job for this, this and that reason, whatever. And I was like, oh, that sucks. But okay, I'm game. I just got to make it in my head. I'm like, I just have to make it to next year. So um, probably a couple months after that, the president of the organization told that guy that uh, he wasn't going to make accommodations for my credentials and that whoever was going to take this new position um had to have those credentials. And I was heartbroken, but I was like, okay, at least now I know that I have to get out of here. That, that, that one part, even though it's an answer that I don't want, it's an answer and I can make decisions based off that answer. Cause we spent months not knowing anything about what was going on. So I'm, um, I'm now planning my exit strategy. I'm the, uh, I'm looking for, I'm literally at work on the internet, at work, looking for jobs. <laughs> so, uh, which is a big no, no people. If you can avoid that, looking for jobs at work, don't do that. Um, because if they can see your search history, it can make things real interesting. Um, 
I'm grateful that that didn't happen to me, but um, uh, I still I love the organization so much that I said I'm going to help you all find a person. If it's not going to be me, it's going to be a great person. If I can help it, it's going to be a great person. So uh, they started a formal inquiry into what it would take to search for a candidate because they never did that with me. Um, they literally just like, hey, you got a job. Then they found out that I didn't meet the qualifications of the people all the way at the tippy top. So I knew enough about the position, about generally what they got paid. And um, so I was basically feeding them this information and they were dismissive of it. And I said, here's what you're offering for someone to do this job with this amount of education and this amount of work experience. You're not going to find anybody to come here to this place for this, for this. I said, you have to make it more enticing. And one of the things you have to do to make it more enticing is increase the salary. So they asked me what they should increase the salary to. And I gave them what I thought was a conservative estimate. And I said, you should start here. And they're probably going to come back with a counter offer, but at least you have a negotiating point. I said, if you start with with what you're offering, people are going to hear that number and run for the hills. And when I told them that they laughed at me, they literally, literally belly laughed me out of the meeting. So what I did was I went to a, a website, the website where I accidentally found them offering my position. And um, I printed out a list of other organizations offering a job for that same position. And they could see those that had a, um, a stake of casinos that had a salary offered and it was way more than what I even suggested. And so then they knew it was kind of serious, but um, I said, however y'all work it out. I said, just know that you're not going to find a quality candidate for this amount. And if you do, that person's just going to stay long enough to get this on his resume or her resume. And then that person's going to be off to the next thing because people who have the the amount of education you're asking for probably got student loans and, or they, or they probably already work somewhere for, for much more money. And you're asking them to come here to a place that really not a lot of people have heard of for this, this little bit amount. And, um, they just, they weren't receptive. So, um, meanwhile, we're still money's money's going away. My bank account is becoming more and more anorexic and we're living almost exclusively off of, uh, off of Wick. So, uh, it was getting tough. It was getting tough. And, um, I tried to squirrel away some money so that I could save money for gas. So if the repo men didn't find my car, I'll be able to drive to my job in a fuse. Uh, and then <laughs> when they put together the search committee, for the person, the new person to take this position, they asked me to be a part of the search committee. And I was like so devastated, but I did it. I did it. I I was part of the search committee to find my replacement. And um, what got even crazier than that is the person who was the chair for the search. Uh, he had some family issues and um. So he had to step away. So I started to, even though it wasn't official, I started to assume a lot of his duties as the chair of the search committee. 
to find my replacement. So I was, <laughs> I was literally on the phone and email talking to the candidates about, you know, when we could schedule them to come in and take my job. And, uh, it was just so, so bad. It was so bad. Um, we ended up interviewing three people. One ended up not finishing his credentials in time. So he was disqualified. Then there was another person, the the other guy and the lady, there was two more people. Once they found out what the salary was, they declined. So, um, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, but I went back to the group and I said, listen, we conducted a pretty exhaustive search. We found three people who, you know, out of all the people who re- responded, these were the, the three best that we could find. And they all didn't work out. And I said, here I am. Like I'm literally here already willing to do the job for less than you're going to pay somebody else. Right. I already know the ins and outs of the organization because I've worked here. I've been here for so, for so long. And even though that was my first year working there, I had been involved with the, uh, with the organization for a while. So there's no, there's going to be no transition period. There's going to be no, like it'll be seamless. All you have to do is give me the reins and then let me work a second job. And it, it costs you nothing more than what you're already paying me. It costs you nothing more than what you're already paying me. And they told me no. And then I found out that they went behind my, my back to my coworker and offered one of my coworkers a job. And the crazy thing is this coworker and I had the same exact education and same credentials. We went to the same university. We had the same degrees. I had more years of experience than this coworker because I graduated a year earlier and they went and offered my coworker the job. And uh, to my coworker's credit, my coworker contacted me and said, listen, here's what's going on. They offered me the position and I turned them down and I said, you should give it to Brandon because that's what he wants to do. That's what you brought him here to do. So shout out to my coworker for having that integrity. So instead of the organization coming to me and offering me the job, they went and offered it to another coworker. And uh, my other coworker said the same thing. Like, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want the job. But he does. Why don't you give it to him? And so, so why do you, why do you think that went down like that? Like, what do you, what was that? Like, cause if they had the same education and everything as you, Weren't they going to run into the same problems? For now, I th- I think I know the answer. I don't have any proof of the answer, so I'm not going to put it out there because it's a, it's a, it's it's something that kind of gets overused and abused. And because I can't validate the answer, in my heart, I kind of know what it is. And again, it's not my goal to destroy the organization. I don't want. To, to say an ill will. I don't want to say an ill ill thing about the organization, but um, there was one difference between me and them. And okay. that's, I'm just going to leave it like that. Use your imagination. You could probably figure it out. Uh, but there was one difference between me and them. And it wasn't work experience. 
it wasn't education. It wasn't credentials because we all had the same stuff. So um, I just knew that it was it. I wasn't coming back. They weren't going to give me the job. Um, so as luck would have it, um, one of the high schools in the county where I was working for the year before, the athletic trainer uh, re- resigned. So I applied for that job. And um, they told me to come down and interview. And as I was driving to that job for that interview, the person contacted me and asked me if he could call my references. I said, yeah, why didn't you call my references already? I thought you did that. He called the uh, he called my athletic my athletic director from my first school, and the athletic director gave him a glowing review of me. But then that athletic director called me and said, "Hey, our athletic trainer is getting ready to quit. Would you like to come back here and work?" I said, "Yes," because I loved working there, but I just thought you know there was more for me in this field. So, um, you know, it's not like I left that first job because I had a bad experience or because I didn't like it. I really liked it. And I, I told him, no, I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to go interview right now at another place. So y'all got to move fast because I can't afford to turn this interview. This, if they offer me a job, I can't afford to say no. I literally have to say yes to the first thing that makes sense numbers wise. And this job is going to make sense numbers wise. So uh, I said, if you if you want me to come back there and work. Like we have to move, like we got to move now. Cause I'm literally 20 minutes away. I'm driving toward this location. So they called me back and they said, after you finish interviewing there, come here. We want you to meet our new principal. So I literally left the, the one high school where I just interviewed to meet the principal at the new principal at the high school where I had previously worked. And they said, we want you to come back. I said, okay, but I was offered a job last time with no contract and it didn't work out. So, <laughs> so, uh, hit me up, let me know what you got. Um, if you get me a contract before they do, I'll sign it. And that's what happened. They ended up, um, figuring out a way to expedite my contract. And I ended up, I was blessed to be able to get back to, um, my first job that I left to go work at the other organization. So, um, we had the um we had the second child right like right before the interview for the for the other jobs we had the second child so we're driving up and down the highway with a brand new baby and then a 2 year old who likes the car seat but only for like 5 minutes and then the rest of it is just like Rah! in the back seat so um we found a job we but I couldn't afford to move I did not have money for a U-Haul. I didn't have money for storage. I barely had money for gas for the two cars that we had to drive back down the road. So what was really dope is one of my mentors reached out to me. He knew I was having a really bad time. And he actually just gave me the money to move. He didn't ask for it back. And I I was like, I'm going to pay you back. He said, no, don't worry about it. I said, I'm going to pay you back. Like I have to pay you back. Like I can't, you can't just give me money and expect that I'm not going to, I'm going to pay you back. He said, don't worry about it. You know, I feel bad that you're in this position and I can help. So I'm going to help. And he just gave me the money to get a U-Haul. And, uh, 
my wife and I packed the entire house up by ourselves with a three-year-old running laps up and down the block. Uh, we had the the infant in a bumbo chair. I don't know if you remember bumbo seats. Like you just, just got the little legs cut out so you can like little babies can sit up by themselves and just kind of look and see what was going on. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, he, the, the, the baby baby just watched us load the truck while the other baby just running wild up and down the street with a diaper and a t-shirt. And um, we, we, we loaded up and we got out of there, came back down to, to Virginia and um, started the process of rebuilding, you know? So I had to catch up on the car notes, had to catch up on the car insurance, um, had to catch up on all like my, my personal liability, my professional liability insurance, um, everything we had to, it literally took like 10 years just to not even 10, not 10, maybe seven or eight years to get myself current on all of the things that we kind of fell behind. So, um, it was, uh, but while we were up there and going through it, like, I was like, I'm gonna lose my family. Like what? I was really in a place when we were there where I was like, what reason does my wife have to stay my wife? Like, why is she here? You know, she can be this broke and live at home with her mom and at least know that she got a place to stay. At least know that she's probably going to eat something. You know, she really didn't have. Uh, I don't want to say she didn't have because she stayed. She stayed for, what you know, for her reasons. But I couldn't even have argued if she'd been like, you know what, Brandon, I'm out. Like, what, what am I going to say to her? Like, like, no, don't stay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't leave because we got we we'll work it out. We're we're not. We we hadn't figured it out. We were drowning. And if if she had uh, she had decided that she she wanted to be out, I didn't have a leg to stand on. I I wasn't going to fabricate something. I wasn't going to fluff something. Um. I, 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 but I couldn't come with any facts or any truth to make it say, you know what? It'll be worth your while if you stay. I just, I had nothing. So I, I remember, of course, when you were going through this, and I remember we talked a lot um, about the, you know, during the time in the months that this was building up, we talked before you took the job. We talked, you know, the day, um, that that happened when you like, hey, I'm I'm here, you know, I'm at such and such a place, and they asked me, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'm thinking about doing it, you know, and we kind of talked about it, we discussed, it, and so I kind of remember, but I remember that one time you called me, not long after you saw the job posting on the website, you called me, and like knowing you for the amount of time that I had known you, and me always leaning on you when I was struggling, like emotionally with whatever. And to hear the way your voice sounded and never having heard you sound like that. I just was just at a loss. Like I didn't know what to say to you. I didn't, I was trying to pick you up and like, you know, like what can I like, I'll I'll help you look for a job here, you know, this place and that place, you know, just trying to, Whatever, because you were really, you sounded really down. I was, and look, I was. 
<laughs> I would have had to get up some to be down. Like I was worse than down. I I was I was I was messed up. I was really really messed up. And like thinking to myself like what did you do wrong? All you did was trust people. <laughs> you know, but it turns out that's not the right thing to do <laughs> when you're looking for a career move. You don't trust people. <laughs> Right. And so, yeah, so like, because that's, you don't want to be too somber, but like just saying, like, I I could hear like what you were going through. Um, and just so what were some of the other red flags? Like looking back, other than, you know, trusting people, um, the moving with, you know, moving out with up there without a contract. Like, what were some other things? Well, that you, were, if, if there were any other red flags. You asked me about it before, but. The fact that I didn't interview, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now looking back, it's like it's a huge red flag. So, if there's a huge corporation and your name is, or or, or your friend's name is on the side of the building, right? Mm-hmm. And they give you a job, you might not have to interview for the job because your friend is running that corporation. Your friend owns. Your friend is the CEO of that corporation, or whatever. If there's a, who, a huge organization and the person offering you the job does not have the kind of authority to make life and death decisions with the organizations, um, they got to get permission from other people to hire you. Right. And that's not something I thought about. I mean, I'm just like, I've known these people for a while. I had a great experience with them. They had a great experience with me. They're just going to get me in. And so the fact that I didn't have um, an interview process, the fact that there there was no one from human resources to come walk me through what my benefits would be and who they would cover. Right. All of that stuff was mm-hmm. red flag. Um, then once I got there, the fact that the only people who had any influence over any of that stuff just were reluctant or refused outright to just give me a meeting to take 10 minutes to explain to me how did how, how I ended up here with so many of the things that I was promised just being wrong or not being available. And, um, that was that. And, but the first red flag for real, now that I know, no, like, and it's not new because we, my wife and I had been together for a long time before this incident, um, was her gut. Like she's, her gut is, Dion Warwick psychic friends accurate. <laughs> like uh she is the type of person who will meet you and she will know within 45 seconds if you're a good person or not. And and be done with you. Yeah. And <laughs> so like I said, I'm an optimist, right? So I um I give everybody an opportunity to disappoint me. You know, if you we're going to be cool, we're going to we're going to be great with each other, we're going to be friends. Until you do something stupid. She's just like, nope, I don't like him. I don't know why, but I don't like him. And then we find out almost always that the person is a terrible person. And she just had the gut feeling like she it's like her sixth sense. Or she'll say we shouldn't do something or we should do something. And she just she's just right about it. So um, she's very good at that. Her first instinct was no. Brandon, you being modest, you said you'll be friends with somebody until you do something stupid. You give people like three or four chances. 
I, like you, <laughs> I, and then even still, you're just like, well, Uncle, maybe they just need. To. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I believe heavily in. Separate. I'm not knocking you. I know. I'm not knocking I know. You. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know, but I mean, we're 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 we talk a lot about second chances, but not a lot of us really live by any philosophies related to second chances, you know? So um, we, we love in general to condemn people like for the one dumb thing or the few dumb things, or if they have a pattern of dumb things, we condemn them. And then regardless of what that person does to to pay restitution or, or to fix the issues related to what they've been dealing with or doing, we always paint them with that, that this is who you used to be. And so, therefore, you deserve all of the crappy things that happen to you. And we watch that happen now. Um, and not to be, and this is a whole separate road, but if you think about, uh, you think about, you know, it's just big in the news over the last couple of months, but George Floyd, right? Um, mm-hmm. he, he was murdered in the street on camera by a police officer. We are now a year later. Right. We're now a whole year right. later. But there, there are people saying, well, he was on drugs. Oh, he was a bad person. He 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 was a criminal. He might have been. And I had to pull one of my friends' cars. I play friends with air quotes, so you people can't see what I'm doing at home. I'm doing air quotes. I went to high school with a dude who uh, was on my Facebook page talking about how terrible of a person George Floyd was. And I said to him, um, you know what we do at our worst moments doesn't define who we are. And I said, you, of all people, should know that because when we were in high school, you got busted for selling pills and mushrooms. You know, now people look at you and they see a good dad and a good person with a good job. How would you like it if every time you try to take a step forward, somebody came and said, hey, remember that time you got arrested in the football locker room for having pills and mushrooms? So, um, but we... My thing was, even though he he was all he was out of pocket for saying this stuff, George Floyd might not have been an angel. But what a lot of people don't know about him, they don't know his history with his family. They don't know in Texas where he's from. He's known for brokering peace deals between 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 feuding gangs. But they just oh he he had he he might have had drugs in his system or he might have paid with a fake twenty dollar bill. None of which would they all all of that stuff turned out to be not true, right? But they need a reason to condemn him, you know. So I'm 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 a real big second chances person, and but my wife is not. She's she is a no chances person. <laughs> She's like I'm not gonna give mm-hmm. you a chance to disappoint me. I, if I don't, I'll know within an instant whether I like you or I don't. And if I don't like you, I'm not rocking. <laughs> so and, and so that that's that's something when Brandon is explaining, you know, taking care of the wife. She didn't go silently. Like none of this happened. Quite. She's not the type of person no. to just, you know, she's going to voice her concerns and her thoughts. And, and she hung in there tough with, because they, both of them are my friends. And so I actually would hear like, you know, what she was going through and what Brandon was going through. And yeah, it was very rough for both of them. And as a friend, not knowing, you know, like what to do or how to stop the bleeding. You know, I, 
because I was, I was young too, like just in the first couple of years of, um, you know, still finding my way and my career and my job also. Um, but I didn't have kids. I didn't have the type of responsibilities that, that Dr. Holland had. And I was very aware of that, very aware of that. So we talked about some of the red flags. Um, and, you know, looking back, was there anything that you could have done um, at your other job? Um, like, could you have taken extended leave? Um, anything to kind of keep that? I mean, it worked out for you in the end. Yeah. Um, but was there anything that you could have done? Like, because you were a teacher, could you have taken a sabbatical? Could you like any of those things? Do you think? Just to kind, of, just so you have a buffer and you have something to fall back on when you're making those big life, you know, changing decisions. I can now because of the amount of time that I spent with the school division. Right. So when right. I got to my when I got to the school division the first time, I had zero teaching experience. Um, I don't, I didn't have any leave. You you accumulate leave gradually, and I didn't mm-hmm. have any. Basically, I had. You get like seven sick days a year, three personal days. And uh, if you use more than three sick days in a row, you got to come back with a doctor's note. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was basically on a probationary a period. Probation, yeah. I was going to so say you were probably on probation. I, I couldn't even, you know, if I had all of those things, you know, it's a probationary period where they don't, they just don't give you a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. So uh, they just want you to show up every day, get better at your job. And which I get, you get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I just, I thought I did the best thing, which was actually just be up front with them and say, Hey, I like it here, but this is a better opportunity for me. And I hope you don't have any hard feelings, but I'm going to go for it. And because I did that with my activity director, he said, you know what? We hate to see you go, but I can't knock that. And Mm-hmm. it actually left the door open. I didn't burn that bridge. So when I went to my other job and it didn't work out and everything crashed and burned, he welcomed me back. Right. Actually literally stole me from another job that was offering me a position. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, so I think what I did, what I did do was best was just be upfront Um and I gave him the respect of knowing like, Hey, I'm probably going to be out of here. You're going to have to find somebody to replace me. And I helped him find someone, you know? So it wasn't just like I'm leaving this position, butt naked. Cause that's, that's actually how I, I got that job was the person who was there before me had not been in, in several weeks because when that person realized they weren't coming back, that person just used all of the sick leave that they had. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so for like maybe four or five or six weeks, that person hadn't been in to work, but they just kept using the sick leave. So I don't know how they got around the doctor's note thing. I don't know, but um, I found out kind of by accident that the person hadn't been in. I interviewed for that job in May and that person hadn't been in since like beginning of March. So, um, but I think that helped me out just being up front. There were some silver linings though. Right. That come out of it. Like I said, I'm an optimist. Right. So um, 
That's an understatement. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I, I like, I learned a lot about myself and my family. I learned that my wife is down. She's my ride or die. Like, uh, if, 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 if the world turned sideways, she would be the one person in my corner. Like no doubt. So that level of, of commitment to get that level of commitment from somebody is amazing. Um, I think that was one of the one things that I told you, cause that was your biggest concern. Yeah, I was like, she's going to leave me. You were like, she's going to leave me. I was like, no, she's not, Brandon. I was like, she's not going anywhere. Like, like, that was the one definitive thing I could tell you. I was like, she out. Like, I would leave me. And that <laughs> that was so, like, that was your your biggest concern. Your two biggest concerns were caring for your family and losing your wife. Yeah, because that's it. Like, without them, ain't, there's no me. But that that was the absolute one thing that I could tell you with without a doubt in my brain. Yeah, that she was. I was like, she's not leaving you. <laughs> nah, but I, I like I'm like she is she's she's a ride or die, and I got one, and so it's a wrap. Everything else is closed off now because I got this one. Um, it was closed off before, but now it's just like you're reassured that you made that the right decision, you know, and that felt great. I also learned that um, when things go sideways, um, some people will kind of allow themselves to be swallowed up by those issues or problems. And I, I learned that I'm I'm really a survivor, right? Because we've been poor before, like um, not not with my family, but like when I was a kid, I was we were, we grew up rough. But then back then, like. If I didn't have something to eat, it wasn't my fault because I was only six, five, seven years old. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was, a, you know, I wasn't a decision maker. I wasn't a breadwinner. So even though there were some times where, you know, my belt was tight, like we were hungry. um, Like it was somebody else's responsibility to make sure I wasn't hungry anymore. But now that it was on me and I had to figure out how to get it done. I learned that I will not all of the ways were, you know, scrupulous, I say, but um, I, I'm going to figure out a way to to make sure that they're taken care of, to make sure that they eat, to make sure that they warm, to make sure that they're not getting rained on. And uh, it's, it's not going to be pretty all the time, but I'm going to figure out a way to do it. So I, I learned a lot about myself. Like I'm really a survivor. Um. I learned what not to do for future job searches. <laughs> yeah. So, so why don't, so give us a, a little bit of intuition there on that part. Like, what did you learn? Like, can you, as we like kind of wrap things up, um, what can you tell listeners like based off of those red flags and the experience that you went through? The first thing is the first thing, uh, whether you interview or not, Get it in writing. Don't move an inch until you have an agreement in writing. It's preferable to have it in some kind of digital form or fashion so that, um, you know, as everything is time stamped and dated, you can verify who sent it and, and where it came from and that it is valid so that if you end up having to take it maybe to court or whatever, uh, 
that you can say you have it in an email from this person and they can verify the IP addresses and all of that stuff, that high tech stuff, but get it in writing. Don't move an inch. Don't, don't make any commitments to a new job until they commit to you. So, so live your life as if everything is going to fall apart. And then when it doesn't, then you make your move. That was the first thing I would also say, ask tough questions. Ask tough questions um, because in the interview process, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. Right. And you want to make sure mm-hmm. it's right. You want to make sure you're getting into what you think you're getting into. You're going to, you want to make sure that what you've calculated is accurate. And if things don't line up, ask why, ask why the job position is open. Ask, you know, what the salary is going to be, you know, don't, um, don't be afraid that, because you'll find this if you're searching for a job, if you're looking, especially now, a lot of places aren't going to advertise the salary with with the opening. They want to get every, they want to squeeze the juice out of you first, and then, like a car salesman, they spring the price on you last, you know. Um, and that's 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 different reasons people do it. It's not always to be deceptive. Sometimes it's a policy thing, um, but sometimes it's they they kind of feel like maybe if we put the price out there, we might deter people from applying. Um, another thing is if it's not right, don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to say no. If it's not right. Um, um, and, and the, I think the biggest thing, and this isn't just with job searches, this is with everything is that, uh, when you're going through hell, keep going. Like if you're going through hell and you stop, you're going to stop in hell. You're going to stay in hell, right? If you're going through hell, keep going. Life is going to keep moving around you. Um, when things get bad though, you got to put one foot in front of the other and, and get out of that tough spot. Find a way, uh, lean on the people, you know, and, um, and don't accept excuses from yourself as to why you can't get it done. Because in the end, you're responsible for you as an adult. It's, it's your job to take care of you. And if you find yourself in a bad spot, it might not always be your fault that you're there, but no one's going to pull you out. You got to pull yourself out. Um, so just keep going. And um, I guess that's, those are the things that I really learned um, from, from the experience. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience. I know that was um, probably very t- difficult uh, to relive. It is. <laughs> I get a, a little emotional because I still, I wish it worked out. You know, I still love the place and I still wish I could, could have worked there. And in fact, they've had some opening since that has happened. And since I got back on my feet and even with the, um, the terms and conditions being right, my wife is like, we are not giving them a second chance. So, like, remember I told you, when she speak, like, <laughs> like when she make a decision, it's a wrap. <laughs> yep. Oh. All right. That was tough. But if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, um, please understand. There's no hard feelings. I still love y'all. I hope y'all still love me. I get excited anytime I get to do work with you all. And, um. I'm looking forward to accelerating work with you all and really just changing the game and changing the field.
Wow. So that's a lot. We're like an hour in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 16 minutes almost. Um. So what? Did, did I forget anything? I guess it's my uh, story. I no. I wouldn't know if I forgot stuff. You wouldn't know because it's not your story. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to be back again next week. Again, um, if you want to follow us on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at the underscore top underscore DAT, on LinkedIn at top dash DAT1. Uh, you can email us at uh, top underscore DAT at outlook.com. You can follow us everywhere on all of your favorite listening platforms. And, and don't forget to follow us on all social medias um, and make sure you're eligible to uh, receive that up to $400 in CBD stuff. If you follow on f- all four social media platforms, then that's four entries. So dig in. And um, I'm excited. Thanks for rocking with us. Um, you got anything, Dr. V? Nope. Nope. Again, thank you for sharing. Thank you to all of our listeners. Yes, indeed. So until next time, I am the Uplift Athletic Trainer, Dr. Brandon Holland, reminding you that the difference between a good day and a bad day is your outlook. Change your attitude, change your life. And I am the Unapologetic AT, and I'm reminding you that you are doing this all for nothing if you don't stand up for something. Yes, indeed. So we're back. We'll we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Love y'all. Peace out.